Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. We um, <clears throat> had some technical difficulties in the first uh, service a little bit. Got kind of started kind of shaky, but y'all had words to sing with. That's what you had. We, um, we had words some of the time, and some of the time we didn't, and then we had them, and um, we, we made it work, and it was not very peaceful back there in the uh, tech room, back there, trying to get it all, all settled, but we, we got it accomplished. Appreciate those guys back there. Yep. So, 2021, everybody good? Yep. So, I want to let you know that I took our 2021 calendar. <clears throat> it's a peanuts calendar. We have a peanuts calendar every year. When it switched over to 2021, I took that calendar out back and lit it on fire. <laughs> it did not burn. <laughs> so then I took some um, lighter fluid, sprayed that thing with lighter fluid. Um, I wouldn't try this at home, but I did it. Lighter fluid <clears throat> and lit it and it still didn't burn. That calendar is destroyed on the outside, but the inside still has it. So I have plans. I have plans to get rid of the rest of it. But if you ever want any, like, non-flammable material, buy a Peanuts calendar, yearly calendar. It's made with something that doesn't burn. Or it might just be because it's 2020, and it just will not go away. It might be that. So nonetheless. All right. Today's uh, sermon title is The Final Piece. The Final Piece. And... <clears throat> When I, when I titled the sermon, what I thought is that there would probably be a certain percentage, I don't know what percentage that is, but all statistics are made up on the spot, so let's just say 63.56%. I'll just make up a statistic. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Just make it up, just grab it out of the air. Anyway, I figured that there'd be a certain amount of people that would think that it would, I would be talking about Jesus coming back, right? And he comes in and he sets up the final piece in the world, he creates a new creation. There's a millennial reign, and then there's eternity, and all our environment is in peace. However, that is not the final peace. The reason that that is not the final peace is when Jesus comes back, there is literally a certain percentage of people that will not be at peace. The reason that they're not at peace is because they haven't received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And they are being thrown into a lake of fire. So that group of people will not be at peace. <clears throat> so the final peace is really not when Jesus Christ comes back for us. The final peace is when you get on your knees and you ask forgiveness for your sins and you ask Jesus to be your savior. That's the final peace. Because peace is within you. It's not outside of you. We want peace outside of us. We want things to settle down. We want things to not be, you know, get the picture, just in turmoil or whatever. But Jesus Christ gives us peace on the inside of us. And really, peace for the Christian is a war of your mind. You have to go to war with your thoughts. You have to go to war with inside of you. So, so peace is really in here, the Prince of Peace and Lord of Lords. It's not necessarily out here. The final peace is inside of you. Now, 
couple months ago, we talked about elephants. Do y'all remember elephants? A couple months ago. Absolutely fascinating creatures. Do you know if you took a baby elephant and tied him to a peg, when he grows big and you tie him to a little peg in the ground, he will not move from that spot. Did you know that? Even though he's big enough to pull that peg out of the ground, he still will not do it. Even though he's powerful enough to pull that peg out of the ground, he will not do it because he remembers back when he couldn't do it. And so elephants never forget, which I think is, how, how do we really know that? Like, how did, like, did they, I don't know how, anyway, elephants never forget, <clears throat> okay? So he doesn't forget that back here, he couldn't pull the peg out of the ground. And so when he gets older, he, he doesn't think through that he's big enough to pull that little peg of the ground, even though he could knock down a tree at a moment's notice, even though he can plow through things at a moment's notice, even though he knows he has the power to do other things, he thinks that little peg in the ground, he cannot pull up out of the ground. That little peg represents your pet sin. And a lot of people have these sins that they just can't get away from. They've asked Jesus Christ to come into their lives. They, they've started a relationship with Jesus Christ, but there's this sin that they continually, they're, they're attached to. And really, they have the power to pull the peg out of the ground, but they just will not do it because they remember back when they couldn't do it. And so they continue to be attached to this peg in the ground instead of this, this sin in the past, it's their peg in the ground and they cannot move from it. And they find themselves doing the sin over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm here to tell you that if you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, you have the power to pull the peg out of the ground. You have the power to do that. But Philip, <clears throat> you don't understand. You're a preacher. You, you don't Deal with the sin that I deal with. Yeah, okay. Right. So this peg in the ground, I keep going back to, and I keep going back to it, and just can't get freedom from it. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. And we'll begin reading with verse 13. <clears throat> Sorry, hold on. My throat. 713 says this. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin be sin, and through the commandment might be become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I am tied to a peg. I do the very thing I hate, that sin still has me, and I just can't move from it. Verse 16, now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that is good. So 
Now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. I'm still attached. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. I keep on doing this evil. I'm still attached to the peg. I cannot get away from it. I was attached to the peg back here and I'm still attached to it now and I just can't seem to get rid of it. I keep on doing it. Verse 20, now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind. It's all in my mind. And making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. It's my mind that's causing me not to be able to pull that peg out. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of my God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit is life has set you, say it, Say it again. It sets you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. This peg that is in the ground, I am really free from because God has made me powerful enough to pull it out of the ground and leave it behind. I can break this chain at least. I can pull that out of the ground. You see, elephants remain captive in their position because their past is lying to them. Their past is saying you did it back then, it became a habit, you got saved and you cannot get away from it, you cannot get free from it, you cannot pull the peg out, you have to remain in it and you're going to keep doing it over and over and over again. It is their memories of the sin that is lying to them in order to keep them stuck there in that sin, doing that sin over and over, and they are chained to it. But here's the deal. Jesus Christ has made you free. Come on. He's made you free from the law of sin and death. We are free not to sin any longer. We are free to break this little method and habit and walk away from it and never go back to the peg again. And if anybody tries to tie us back to the peg, we say, no, I have the power. I am big enough because of Jesus Christ and I do not have to be tied there. I do not have to live in this sin. I have the power to leave it. And it is a war of your mind. You see, the whole time that you're tied to this peg, literally, you're big enough to walk away from it. You have the power to walk away from it, but you haven't done the battle with your mind that gives you permission to do that. Your mind hasn't made it to the place where it says, I am free. And it's a battle. It's a battle. Sin is a battle. So we keep, I just can't. 
I just can't quit doing this. Wrong. That is a lie. You're a son of God, bought with the blood of Christ, the most powerful being in the universe, has died on the cross to give you freedom from that peg. Walk away from it. It is just in your mind. It's just in your mind. And peace will only come when you convince yourself you can walk away from the peg. You're big enough to pull that peg out of the ground. Peace comes to you when you grab a hold of that gospel truth that you're free from the law of sin and death and you walk away and never go back to it. Aren't you thankful? It doesn't depend on you. Honestly, I'm too small to pull the peg out of it myself. But greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. I can walk away from that sin. So it's a battle of your mind. There are some people that battle sin. Christians don't get at peace because they keep going back to that sin over and over again, and they just haven't done the battle with their mind to free themselves from the sin. Other Christians are just negative. Negative. And everything's bad. Like everything's a problem. Have, have you met people like that? Do not <clears throat> tell the person next to you, you if it's them. That's not a good time. Let's keep that, let's keep that out, of, out of the conversation. But there are things that we, you and I, never forget. And most of them are negative. The thing that you remember about your spouse most of the time <laughs> is not the positive stuff. It's the negative stuff. And to be honest with you, you can bring back that stuff with vivid memory. The good stuff you're not really sure about. Did they really do that or did they? I don't remember exactly what happened, but she did something good there. But man, when they, she, he did, and we can list. You know this because when you have an argument, each one of you can list everything you've done wrong for the last 26 years. If you've been married 30, you can do the last 30. If you've been married five, it's the last five. You just keep building the list and it becomes pages and volumes like the encyclopedias we used to get when we were little. Some of you never got those, but you used to have volumes come to your house. You just buy a new volume each year. You write down the negatives. You can remember all the negative stuff, but you have trouble remembering the positive stuff. You have trouble remembering that. When you remember the negative all the time, it limits you and what you can do. It limits you. And it's a, it's a war of your mind. You don't have peace because you're negative. You, have, you don't have peace because you're always remembering this list. You, you ha don't have peace because you cannot see past the negative and see the positive. And there's always a lot more positive in a situation than there is negative. It's hard to believe, I know. I know it's hard to believe. But there's always more positive than negative. <clears throat> Nicole and I ride together sometimes in the same car. I know it's hard to believe because when we come here, we're never riding in the same car. She drives hers, I drive mine, we come to church. I know there's some people that didn't even know she was my wife until later, they've been here a while. Oh, she's your wife. Yeah, that's, yes, she, 
Yes, she's my wife. That's, that's the one. Some people don't, but we, we hardly ever ride together. But when we do, when we do ride together and it's raining, right? We have two different viewpoints on what to do when it's raining while you're driving. Let me explain. <clears throat> when I'm driving and it's raining, I rarely turn on my windshield wipers. My lights are on, but I rarely turn on my windshield wipers because what I'm doing is I am preparing myself for when there's a torrential downpour, okay? In my mind, that's what I'm doing. I'm practicing for that moment. And if you've ever been through a torrential, a, a, a downpour on the interstate and you see the little car go past you and you're stopped because you can't go any further because you cannot see, that is me. And I have trained for that moment. My windshield wipers will be on, but I've trained for that moment so I can get to where I'm going because I know that to get to where you're going, you have to see beyond the rain. In fact, you have to see the space in between the raindrops in order to see the route where you're going. So you have to train yourself to do that. So I've trained myself to do that. My wife, on the other hand, isn't quite like that. She sees the raindrops and she cannot see anything until the raindrops are gone. So if she's in the car with me while it's raining, she says, turn on the windshield wipers so I can see. This is driving me crazy. So I turn on the windshield wipers because I love her, but it's not because I want to. And while I'm driving, I'm sitting there thinking, this is messing up. I've been practicing and now I can't practice. This was a major, I don't really think all that. But she, she cannot see past the raindrops. She has to get rid of the raindrops. There are some of us in this room that are not at peace because all we see is the raindrops and we keep asking God to turn on the windshield wiper so we can see beyond the raindrops. And what God is telling you to do is to be at peace and get out of the passenger seat and into the driver's seat and start driving and look at the space between the raindrops and see the path that you're supposed to take because he is requiring you to do something about your problem. You see, God isn't a genie or we'd all have lamps and we'd rub them and ask him to do things for us and he'd instantly solve our problems. That's not the way he operates. He, when we ask for him to answer a prayer, we need to be ready to be part of the answer to that prayer. And sometimes the way through our negative situations isn't to dwell on the negatives and make a list, it's to see in between the raindrops and see beyond them to the path that he's laid out before us to take so that we can go to a better day. He wants us to drive because that's how we grow in faith. He wants us to go down the path with our power and his, right? He wants us to do something to show us that we can endure all things through Christ that strengthens us. Come on, church. So you have to see in between the rain drops to see where you're going. Now, <clears throat> I'm gonna do something. We did this in the first service and, uh, and it, was, it was really neat. Um, a little bit less people here for this, so we're just gonna try it. So what, what I want you to do is first, I want everybody in the room to go like this. Just humor me. All right, stop. So now I want you to go like this. Very good. Now what I want you to do is just hit your hand right here with two fingers. Very good. Now what I want you to do is do this. All right, so 
We are going to create rain. Okay? Sound of rain in the room. So when I go to your section and I do whatever I'm doing, I want your section to do it, and then I'm going to have the different sections do the different, different things, and we're going to create a nice summer rainstorm that happened maybe in 2018. Okay. Because that's when things were normal, sort of. All right, ready? So everybody in the room, do this. Good job. <laughs> Incredible. I stole that from Rich Mullins. I don't know if you have any of his music, but he, he did that one time in a concert, and I thought it was really cool, and I've always wanted to do it. And I was thinking about this sermon, and I thought, yeah, this is exactly the moment. Because, ladies and gentlemen, when it's raining in your life, you need to make the rain dance. You need to make the rain dance. Peace makes the rain dance. It doesn't ignore that it's there. It doesn't ignore that you're not gonna get wet. It doesn't ignore the fact that you probably need an umbrella, you probably need to put something on your head, you probably need to make sure that you don't get wet, or maybe you do get wet, who knows? But you make the rain dance. There are very difficult times that come into our life and they're not positive. They're, they're not joyous. They're not, they're not like the moments that you're like, yeah, this is what life is all about. It's more like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this happened. But at the moment you say, I can't believe this happened, is the moment that you step back and say, okay, war with the mind here. I'm going to make this moment the best moment it can be. I am going to make the rain dance. This is a moment that God has put in front of me that's negative, but I know that it's in front of me because I need to grow. There's something I need to learn. There's something I need to grow in, in faith. And this is an amazing moment. This is an opportunity for me to exercise my faith. So I'm gonna make the rain dance. I'm not gonna think, oh, woe is me, negative, negative. I just can't do this anymore. I'm gonna think, no, Jesus Christ is inside of me. He has given me this opportunity to go through this moment. It's not a positive moment, but it's, it's a moment that I must rise up and go into an attack and get through with his power. I am going to make the rain dance. I am going to look in between the raindrops to see what path it is so that I can get through this moment that he's placed in front of me 
in faith with him, with his power. It is a war of your mind. And you have to go to war with your mind. You have to make the rain dance. It is all how you look at it. Um, every now and then, my family, <clears throat> they leave me and they go places. Sometimes it's because it, I just can't go. I mean, there's stuff I have to do and I just can't go with them, but sometimes they go places. Um, and the last time that they went was this fall. Uh, I can't even remember where they went, but they went somewhere. And so when, when they're gone, I sleep in my room at my house. Nobody else does? Yeah. It's not that I don't normally, but that's where I sleep. So <clears throat> I remember I was laying in my bed. It was somewhere in the middle of the night. I don't even know what time it was. Even though I have this red projection of the time that's big enough for my eyes to see at night right here on my side, I didn't look at it because when I opened my eyes, there was a shadow of a big spider on the ceiling and I froze. I came up out of sleep and I froze. I don't really like spiders. I think the best spiders in the world are the dead ones. Some of you feel that way about snakes. I like snakes, right? I, I'm, I'm good with snakes, but spiders, I just, I don't know. It's just something, something about them. They give me the eebie-jeebie. So I was paralyzed because of this big shadow. And then logically, I started to think my way through it. I, I thought, okay, wait a minute. The spider is not this big. It can't be this big. This is a shadow that's being cast by light. You know how light does that. It makes something bigger. So I very carefully get up out of my bed, and I don't want the spider to move. Wherever it is in the room, I don't want him to move, because if he moves, I will not be able to sleep in that room that night. I will go somewhere else. Aurora's little bed in her room is, is fine with me. Nobody's home anyway, I'll just sleep there. I mean, it's, it's perfectly fine, and then I'll find the spider later. But nonetheless, I got up, and without the lights on, I went toward the place where I thought that the light was coming through to project this image on, on the wall, right? And I get to that corner, and I just can't find the spider. I can't find him on the window. I can't find him where the light is coming from. And I'm really confused, because when you look back this way, I'm now still seeing the spider with eight legs, but I'm really not sure about it. So, <clears throat> you know, he's not there. Another thing you need to understand is I really can't see. My contacts were out, and I'm almost blind. So there's that going on too, okay? So I go over to the light switch, and <clears throat> by this time I have my glasses on because I want to see the spider when I cut on the light so that I can go and kill the spider because that is the goal. That is the goal. So I turn on the light, and immediately, there's no spider in the corner. Nothing at all there. And what I find out is there are several items in the room that are actually making that shadow on the ceiling. In fact, I turned the light off, and we have this little Roku round vacuum cleaner thing that's a robot, because eventually they're going to take over the world, and I just want them to kill me first. So <clears throat> there's this Roku thing, and, and I moved that around just to see, and the center of the spider would move around. So the Roku found its place somewhere else that night, and it's the shadows that I got rid of, and I turned off the light, and I went right back to sleep. Here's the reason I'm telling you that story. 
Whatever is inside of you projects what you see outside of you. If you have fear inside of you and you live in a state of fear and concern all the time, everything that happens outside of you will look like something you need to fear and worry about and be scared of. Are you tracking with me? What's inside of you is what you see. That night, I'm scared of spiders. If you had been in the room, you would have thought it was something else. If Nicole had been there, she would have said, go back to sleep. It's just the ceiling fan. Right? That's what she would have said because she has no fear of spiders at all. And so I projected my fear into my environment. Listen, if you do not do the war that you need to do in your mind with your fear, you're going to project fear into your environment, into your culture, into your household, into your relationships. It's going to be worry, fear, concern. Worry, fear, concern. But if there's peace inside of you, it's not that the environment changes because the environment will never be at peace. But you will see that environment totally different and you will project peace into situations that need it. In other words, you will be the witness that you need to be for Jesus Christ in the world when you grab a hold of peace and do that war and project that into the current situation. So when I see a virus, I see peace. That's what I have to see. I tap into peace and I see that this is a part of being a part of a fallen world and God is sovereign and he's in control and I'm good with it. And I'm at peace with whatever happens. Because when you're at peace with whatever happens, you can take the steps that you need to meet those challenges and meet them correctly. If you don't have peace, you withdraw and you get scared and you project that into your reality. With me? Do the war with your mind to get rid of your fear. Chapter eight, verses five, well, not yet, sorry. <clears throat> I'm not there yet. So that means that our minds have to transform into something else. If you look at Romans chapter 12, verse two, it says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect do not be conformed to this world. You and I are transforming our minds every single day, every single minute that we live. And we are either transforming into Jesus Christ and into faith and into peace, or we are transforming our minds into concern and animosity and anger and, oh my goodness, the world is falling apart. Your mind is being transformed by what you follow and what you think about and what you're allowing to shape it. If it is this out here, you are not gonna have peace inside. But if you're allowing your mind to be transformed into the image of Jesus, your mind is being transformed into peace, into righteousness, into hope, into faith, into love, into grace, into peace. We need to make sure that our minds are being transformed into the image of our Savior, the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Our mind has to be transformed into that. So now Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 6. <clears throat> and this is what it says. 
For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the thing of the flesh. That means their minds are being conformed to the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. That means their minds is being conformed to the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is what? Death. To set the mind on the flesh is? Say it a little bit louder. To set the mind on the flesh is? Right. But to set the mind on the spirit of life is peace. Life and peace. Life and peace. So, if right here is death and the flesh and transforming your mind to this, this is where you are dying, this is where you do not have peace. To set your mind on the spirit is life and peace. So that is right here. What Christians often do is they run. I remember, they run from life and peace and they run into death. So something happens in their world and and they're saved and they have life and peace and all of a sudden they run from life and peace and go to death. Okay, I'll do that a little bit differently. So they run from life and peace and instead of staying here and being solid and peaceful, they run toward the flesh and death and worry and fear and sin and all that other stuff and so they run. Okay, I'll do that again. The Christian sits here, they have life and peace in their grip and something happens on the outside in culture and all of a sudden they decide to run from this and run to death. And they stay here. Now I looked absolutely ridiculous running from life to death, right? And I want to let you know a Christian looks just as ridiculous when they do it with their mind. When you leave what is yours and go back to what shouldn't be yours, you look ridiculous. You have faith, but you pursue death. You have faith in Jesus and instead of pursuing life and peace and, and like a solidness to your life that you can get through this life, you run over here to defeat. How many of you, if Michael Jordan, even at his age, decided to come here and do a basketball competition, and Michael Jordan said, you can be on my team, and we'll win this whole thing. How many of you in this room would say, I don't want to be on your team? Exactly. Because we know that the people in Davie County can't beat Michael Jordan. He alone would win it. You just have to be there. Maybe block some people if he really needs people blocked or whatever. He'd probably never throw it to you. He might. But it'd be with an agenda. Okay, give that back to me. Don't shoot it, Philip. Don't shoot it. Okay, I won't shoot it. I'm giving it to you. You can make all the goals you want to. How many of you would not be on his team? Right. How big is Jesus? 
And how many times do we choose for him not to be on our team, but instead choose the flesh and death instead? And how many times when we do that, do we wind up being concerned and outside of peace and in turmoil and just not settled and worried when all the while we can say, no, Jesus is on my team and I'm going to stay on his team. He always does what is right. He always does what's good for his kids and I don't even have to shoot the ball. He can do it for me. Stay here. See, the final piece is doing a war with your mind to say, I do not have to live there because I'm free. I can live here in life in peace and have a solidness about myself where I can face anything this world throws at me. A lot of Christians just don't get to that level of peace in their life because they're too, they're, they don't feel powerful enough to pull the peg out of the ground or they're just running from it, running from it, running from the light. Do y'all remember <clears throat> in the Old Testament, Jonah? Remember Jonah, story of Jonah? Um, you know, Jonah ran from God, got on the boat. They threw him off the boat. He was swallowed by a big fish. He was thrown up, vomited, by the fish, out onto dry land. Talk about germs. There's more than seaweed going on. You know, you see these pictures of him with seaweed. There was more than that going on. Like decayed, you don't want to know. <clears throat> he gets out and he goes to the city, right? And he, and he preaches. And I think, I should have looked this up, but I think it's, it's eight to seven words that he had in this whole sermon. It's a very short sermon that he had, and he repeated it over and over again. And the whole city came to know God. An amazing moment. And on the outside looking at him, you would think that he was the greatest prophet ever. He had faith enough only to say a few words. He preached it with vigor, and the whole place just turned to God. It, it, on the outside, he looks awesome. But at the end of that story, he is sitting on a hillside, waiting for God to judge the Ninevites because they are his enemies. Because Jonah was still running from God inside his heart. He was still not at peace inside his heart. He was still not at peace. And so you and I need to make sure that inside of us that we are at peace God is gracious enough to, was gracious enough to Jonah to come to him and say, look, what are you doing sitting here? Why are you here? And God this morning is coming to you and saying, why are you not at peace, my child? It's there for you. And it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. And it's peace that is always available in any circumstance that you have. All you have to do is grab a hold of it and that peace will give you the strength to make it through the situations that aren't so good in your life. Whew. The battle is not really out here. The battle 
is really within. And that's where we have to do battle every single day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know who's watching. Um, and honestly, I, I don't really know what you have spoken to the hearts in this room or the hearts that are watching at home. I, I don't know that. But if there are people that are watching that are struggling with peace because they have anger and animosity inside their souls and they're living that out in their families, I pray, Father, that you'll give them freedom from that. I pray for the people that are watching, if, if they are, if it is true, I don't know, that are struggling with, with lust and faithfulness pray, Father, that they'll grab a hold of the peace that is inside of them so that they can remove that peg from their life and throw it away and gain the freedom that they need in you. There are people, probably, maybe, Father, I don't know, that are watching, that are so scared. And there are more things in this life to be scared of than, than just a virus. I mean, there's, there's what is my daughter going to do? She, she's dating the wrong person. Am I, am I going to be able to pay this? I, there's other fears. Am I going to lose my job? I don't know what's going to happen with the economy, uh, what's going to happen politically. There's other fears that can grip our souls. And I pray, Father, that if there's people watching, people listening in this room that have those fears inside of them, by the power of your Holy Spirit, they'll grab a hold of your peace and push those fears out. And by faith, and with that peace, step into the moment to where they can handle what's going on in their lives. So that, that peace will put to rest the worry. And that peace will allow them to be ready for whatever comes their way. I pray for the people that are struggling with sins or they're struggling with other things in their hearts and they're just not at peace with that. I pray, Father, that they'll grab a hold of that peace and push all of that out so that they can infuse peace into their current situation so that they can see the path through their current situation so that they can make it to a better day with you and grow in their faith. So I'll leave all those people into your hands because they're more than capable. And in Jesus' name, we ask those things. Amen. Let's stand and sing closing number of this song. The altar is open for you if you need it. <clears throat>